Hello, friends. I'm Luke, and I serve on the music team at Holy Family. We continue to hear stories from people like you who listen to the Holy Family podcast and consider Holy Family your church. And whether you're someone who's constantly on the go, hasn't found a church community where you live to which you can belong, or someone who's wondering about the shape of your faith, we are honored to be with you by sharing these reflections from our Sunday liturgies. We rely on the generosity of our congregation, which includes you wherever you listen, to help our ministry achieve and maintain financial health. If this podcast has been a gift to you, would you consider making a contribution so that we can continue offering resources that welcome questions, curiosities, and doubts? You can make a gift by following the link in our show notes. That's at holyfamilyhtx.org. From Holy Family HTX, an Episcopal church for people without a church, this is the Holy Family Podcast, a collection of ideas about leading a Jesus-centered life. We clearly explore the church's understandings while bringing our own questions, curiosities, and doubts, and we never demand fake agreement. Theological exploration is just better that way. So, let's take a moment of silence as we get ready to contemplate today's ideas. Today is called the Sunday of the Passion, Palm Sunday, which means that we hold two moments of Jesus Christ's life together, Palm Sunday and the Passion. Palm Sunday is when Jesus rides in on the back of a colt that no one had ever ridden with a sea of fans waving their palm branches towards him. The Passion is Jesus' death at the hands of of the empire. And here's why we do that. Today marks the beginning of Holy Week. It's the highest and holiest days that we Christians celebrate. Now, the early church did not think that Holy Week was, you know, just a list of optional preliminary events to really get you in the mood for Easter. For them, it was all one robust story, intertwined. It begins with Palm Sunday, and it ends with the Passion. Now, like a good Tarantino film, Holy Week opens by playing around with time and immediately holding together the beginning with the end. When we hold Palm Sunday and the Passion in a bifocality, we immediately feel the juxtaposition. Palm Sunday is a defeat that looks like a victory. And the passion is a victory that looks like a defeat. I wonder if you have ever experienced defeats that turned out to actually be victories. Or I wonder if you have ever experienced victories that turned out by the end to actually be defeats. If so, 
Today is your day. Let's stay a moment with Palm Sunday, a defeat that appears to be victory. Now, in terms of the story of Jesus, his ratings are huge on Palm Sunday. Lots of people have bought all of Jesus' stock and they have gone all in and he has never, frankly, been more popular. All of these people come out to see him and hail him. And had we been visiting Jerusalem that Sunday, we would look at the throngs of people cheering him on and think, wow, whoever that person in has really made it in their career. But the crowds did not just cheer him. They actually cut down palm branches and waved them at him. This is actually a callback or an allusion to the events that are remembered today in Hanukkah. 200 years before Palm Sunday, the Maccabees reclaimed Jerusalem and their temple. Their temple had been desecrated by Antiochus Epiphanes. And when I say desecrated, I mean it was really bad. The Jewish temple had a pig sacrificed in the Holy of Holies, which is like just insult upon insult for that community. But once the Maccabees overcame their pagan foes, they came back into their city victorious, and everybody celebrated the victory by waving palm branches at them. The intertestamental text, 1 Maccabees chapter 13, describes this. It says, as they entered into the city with praise and palm branches, they did so because a great enemy had been crushed and removed from Israel. Well, fast forward 200 years, the Syrians are gone, but the Romans are now occupying Jerusalem with an emperor that fancied himself to be a god on earth. And many people were awaiting another leader to come and liberate them from their new oppressors waiting for somebody to wave the palm branches out and saying, are you the guy? Are you the person? Are you the one? We're ready. You tell us when to dance. We'd love to do it again. But Jesus has been healing people and teaching people to live lives of abundance instead of scarcity, proclaiming that the kingdom or the rule or the reign of God was coming on earth as it is in heaven. And so when people wave their palm branches at him, it is a way to say, you can be our new leader and you can set us free. All of our hopes, all of our dreams, all of our ambitions are coming to a moment and we're placing them on you. Surely Jesus will continue to be like all the other military leaders we've had and use the weapons of death to free us. And these palms always represent to me the dreams and the intentions that we have for God. What God ought to be doing for me in this world. And the passion is where our dreams get shattered. These palms tell us that the kingdom we want is not going to be the kingdom we get, or it's at least not going to come the way we think it's going to come. To people like you and me, Palm Sunday looks like a victory, but for Jesus, it was a crushing defeat. In fact, in Luke's telling of the story, Jesus is sobbing so much, the grammar of the Greek is such that like he can't even make a clear sentence out. He's just like sputtering out phrases. He's so beside himself. This is the upside-down theology of Holy Week, friends. Don't we all have hopes and dreams and desires and plans for what God ought to be doing in the world? 
well, you all might be more religious than that, but I'm not. And so I've got plans and dreams. I mean, frankly, I know God loves me and I have a wonderful plan for God's life. <laughs> now, we always think that we can really get some things done in the world if God would simply let us instrumentalize and use God to push our agenda. Well, Jesus comes among us and we get excited and we think, ooh, good, finally God's going to play along to our game. Finally, my agenda can get pushed through. Jesus is the perfect instrument. But Jesus Christ comes with no weapons. No guns. Sorry, America. Sorry, Texas. No army. He rides in on a little colt showing us the way of nonviolent love, all while knowing our proclivity to always eventually resort to using violence to get what we want. What we saw as a victory, we thought it was great because Jesus is finally here to do our bidding. Jesus saw it as a defeat. We know not what we do. Which, by the way, is one of the few things that Jesus actually says from the cross. Well, I think we're going to have to forgive them. They have no clue what they do. So let's stay for a moment with the passion. The passion is a victory that appears to be a defeat. Our shouts of Hosanna! I mean, I love the way that even this liturgy itself flips the script. It's so fun, and we run around, and we do the things, and it's awesome, and we're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna! And like six minutes later, we're shouting, Crucify Him! Did you feel that abrupt juxtaposition? We call that range, and we all have it. I want to shout Jesus down and Hosanna him and gas him up for everything until I don't get my way. And then I'm kind of like, you know, I can understand the Roman Empire's position on this. All of our hopes that God had come to do our bidding get crucified with Jesus. Now to our eyes from below, the crucifixion is nothing but a crushing defeat and failure. You know, Jesus had such promise. And we really thought he was going to be the one to set us free and make all of our dreams come true. I guess we backed the wrong guy. Or we at least tell it from a tragic perspective and say, well, Jesus was really great, but, you know, he, like the empire always does, they don't like people like Jesus around, so they just snuff him out. So I guess we just got to get on and find somebody else besides Jesus. But here's the right side up theology of Holy Week. The paradox of the cross is that God's nonviolence is way more powerful than all of our collective violence. Death is our greatest enemy. You and I are not our enemies. The people who close the voting booth and vote different than you are not your enemies. The people on the other side of whatever you think the aisle is are not your enemies. Your people in other countries are not our enemies. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is against death itself, who has its clutches in us in such a way that we think the only way to get things done in this world is to threaten people with more death. And that's the Christians. It's just it's sad but true. But death is our greatest enemy, and it's God's greatest enemy. You are not God's enemy. God is not out to smoke you. God is not out to get you. God loves you. 
God's trying to get rid of the death that has its clutches in us. And in Jesus Christ, God makes no truce with death. Jesus tramples down death by death. We always deal with death in ways that we tell ourselves, well, it's okay. Jesus Christ comes and draws a line in the sand and says, I'll never deal in death. I will defeat death. The passion looks like a failure, but it is God's success. God's desire was to be with us all the way, even if it means going to death. And in God's deep solidarity with us in death, God transforms death from the inside out. And while it looks like Jesus is being disarmed and paraded around, it's actually the opposite. Jesus being paraded around on the cross is actually God disarming all of the violent and oppressive rules and regimes and authorities in the world. Jesus on the cross is God exposing us to disgrace, leading the powers of violence on a triumphal parade, and the passion is forcing people like you and me to see that our lives are built on the blood and death of others. It's forcing us to see how we always want a scapegoat. We always need somebody to go down. And it's forcing us to recognize how violent our societies are. I wonder what your palm is to you. I wonder what you've always wanted God to be and do for you. The Palms challenge you to confront the reality that God is God and you are not. And that means that God is not under your control. The passion represents our rejection of this reality. We don't want God to be God. And so the passion is our final attempt to pin God down, literally on a cross, and say, stay put. We do not want what you have for the world. The passion and the coming resurrection is Jesus' own victory over our rejection of God's dream for the world. And what we get is a humble picture of God, a more beautiful picture of the world. And if we're going to be a church, we better get a lot more humble real quick, a lot more loving real quick, and start participating in the beauty that already exists in the world, rather than acting like there's no beauty until the church shows up. So welcome to Holy Week, Holy Family. Keep your eye on Jesus. He's the only one who will help us know the difference between victories disguised as defeats and defeats disguised as victories. find more resources to help you lead a Jesus-centered life at holyfamilyhtx.org. Again, it's holyfamilyhtx.org.